Hey everybody, today's guest is singer-songwriter Joe Lynn Turner. Together we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the rainbow classic Street of Dreams, taken from their 1983 album, Bent Out of Shape. Joe has been a favorite of mine since I was a kid. His voice used to come barreling through the clock radio next to my bed, and it was a real honor to talk to him. He could sing the ingredients on a box of crackers and somehow make it interesting and tuneful. Rainbow was a supergroup put together by Richie Blackmore and Roger Glover after they exited Deep Purple. Joe's era gave them their most commercial sound and impact. The story behind Street of Dreams is incredible. Joe mentioned that the song's full lyric came to him out of nowhere in a dream one night. And what he goes on to explain is both chilling and fascinating. And unlike anything we've heard here yet on Krista Makes a Podcast. Joe was impressed with what I have considered my useless knowledge all these years and was a delight to break down this song with. So sit back, relax, and let's hit the street of dreams. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista Makes a Podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista Makes a Podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista Makes a Podcast. Well, hello, Joe. Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? It's going fantastic. I, I just really want to. I really want to thank you for sitting in today. Huge fan. Um, I'm filled with, as my listeners know, uh, tons of what I considered for most of my life useless knowledge. But man, it has all come back to help me with this podcast. And I know a lot about Joe Lynn Turner. I know a lot about you. Wow. So I'm I'm really really excited to, to jump into this. You know, you have a an amazing career. You know, you started back in the 70s and you fronted a band called Fandango. And uh, that was, uh, I believe, you guys were pretty much doing East Coast stuff. You're from Jersey uh, and, and you were doing the, the, the club circuit up there. Of course, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple came calling and put together a band uh, called Rainbow. And Ronnie James Dio sang on their first couple of records. They got Graham Bonnet from Alcatraz to come sing on one album. And then you took over. From there, you sang for Ingve Malmstein, a project with him, uh, the Odyssey record, which is his best record because of you. We'll get Thank into you. that at some point. And of course, you sang on a couple Deep Purple records. Actually, one Deep Purple record, Slaves and Masters, that you that you sang on. So uh, take us back, if you can. Street of Dreams, the song we're going to talk about today, was taken from the third record you did with Rainbow, 1983's Been Out of Shape. Do you remember writing the track? Oh, absolutely. It's a very, very special track to me because of what happened. I believe in reincarnation. I've had too many experiences, not only just deja vu, but with people that I really felt I knew before, sort of soulmates. Anyway, um, we were in Copenhagen, Denmark. We used Copenhagen as a hub to fly out of throughout Europe in those days, because this way we would come back to our own uh, hotel suites and whatever, and, and not have to unpack and so on and so forth. So we were there for quite a while. And I was, I remember it was around three o'clock in the morning and I woke up out of a the dream that I usually had. And I had reoccurring dreams of a woman's face. And it was like haunting, really. So I, I got up and I went over to the table, lit the candle as usual. I've got my books and pens and things there because I'm always writing something. And I just wrote the lyric verbatim right there as you hear it. I don't think there was a, a comma that was changed and I brought it into uh, Richie to show him, and we worked on the track a bit, and that's how the song actually became Street of Dreams. I, I never changed anything. Now, the special part of this song is that this woman's face, some odd 20 years later, I met the girl, and I'm married to her today. It's insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. this I don't know. You know, there was a producer that wanted to do a film about this because... Uh, without getting uh, too involved in it, there was a lot of what we call divine intervention, angelic intervention, as I call it, because 
there were several times where we almost missed each other after we first met. Even, even our first meeting was a divine intervention, the way it happened, because someone unknown to either of us sent her through the security, which was very thick at that point. And she got to stand next to me while I was doing this television interview. And I caught her out of the peripheral vision. And, and, and I stopped the interview and I grabbed her and ran into my dressing room with her locked the door. Now, they're all banging on the door trying to get at me and everything. But I, I, I <laughs> seriously, Chris, I couldn't move. I was stunned. I was shocked. So anyway, um, you know, I, funny part of the story, I was like, can you come back to the hotel with me? She was like, uh, no, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so, Not going back to the hotel with a rock singer. Yeah. So, like how, so I go, no, I'll, I'll get you your own room. You know, uh, really, all I want to do is have coffee. I don't want to drink or anything. No. And I'm not used to, you know, at this point, I'm not used to hearing no all the time. So I'm like, but you're the girl of my dreams. And she goes, oh, that's it. You know, like, you're going to use that line? That is the cheapest line ever. So she gave me a phone number, but the country code was wrong. So I wasn't able to get in touch with her. And the next meeting was that she showed up in Bulgaria where I was doing a festival like with 20,000 people. She was in the front line with a big bouquet of flowers. And it's on video because as soon as I saw her, I said, I see you. And I told my security guys to run out and grab her. And that's exactly how we actually started the relationship. So it's- That's a, wild. Oh, it's really wild, you know? And, and the, the story goes deeper. It goes even deeper in Istanbul. It's it, they wanted to make a film out of it because it's way beyond ghost, you know, as a film. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. So it was a really special song for me. Do you remember me on on the street of dreams? Right, that's reincarnation. That that is really cool. Well, you know, there are so many dots connected here with your association with 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 Rainbow and this whole thing. Okay, it's like the six degrees of of, of Kevin Bacon gone wild. Okay, you you mentioned Copen you mentioned Copenhagen, Denmark yeah. a moment ago. Okay, yeah. the engineer, world renowned for Deep Purple, was Fleming Rasmussen. That's it. And Fleming engineered the record that uh, Street of Dreams is from. I believe he also uh, did he engineer uh, Straight Between the Eyes, the record right before. I believe so. Yes. He was working at Sweet Silence. Freddie Hansen's yes. place. Right. Yeah. And Sweet Silence is, of course, where, where Metallica, Fleming produced Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Right. And that just shot him through the stratosphere at that point. But there's just uh, there's just so much here. Now, you're saying you put pen to paper out of this dream. You came up with this lyric. Right. It just happened. And I've had people on the show, Joe, say that sometimes with their songwriting, they feel like you said, like, it's not me doing it. I'm just a vessel right. that was channeling this. And that sounds to me like what happened here with you, what you're explaining. It's, it's, it's very true. If you don't get in your own way, you know, if you just let the, the muse and, and, and the feeling come over you, um, because I wasn't really sure what I was writing down either. I mean, I wasn't being critical of it at the time. And I think that's an important thing because you get out of your own way. If you start critiquing every line that you write, right there and then you're never going to finish a song, you know, and, or if you do, uh, it's going to come out more skillful or as a craft, uh, as opposed to a, um, uh, an inspiration, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, with either of it, because I'm sure you've written the same way, you know, you, 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 you get your sketch, you get your basic, um, outline and, and then you go over it and you get some clever lines and this, that, the other thing, because that's the skill and craft of it. But this one came out just like, bam, you know, it just was there. And and I've done that. I've done that more than once. I'm sure you have too. You know, you get up three, four o'clock in the morning, you, you know, your wife looks at you and goes, it's going to write again because it hits you. <laughs> it just hits you yeah. and you got to write it down because you'll lose it or into a recorder. Now, of course, the greatest thing is the voice recorder to yeah. have. I'll be driving down the road yep. there years ago. I'd be driving down the road without it, and I'd have to sing the song for three hours in my head till I stopped, so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember those things. Yeah, yeah. Drive, drive yourself crazy. So you showed this to Richie. He liked what you had. Did he have anything laying around? Was was the song uh, uh, born pretty quickly, or did you guys have to to work at it? Yeah. Well, you see, what we do sometimes is we jam, especially Richie. He'll take his Taurus bass pedals out 
you know, and he'll get the drummer, whoever, whoever the drummer may be at the time, and he'll just go into the room and jam bits and pieces. He'll just be inspired and he'll just let it take him wherever he wants. And then it was Roger Glover's job uh, to take back and then we had like dats and things like that and to edit things and to use the useful bits and pieces and almost really splice them together back then. We didn't have digital. Mm-hmm. So, and he'd come up and say, well, this part can go with this part and this part with this part. But as I remember this particular track, Richie pretty much had the idea uh, intro and all everything pretty much together by the time he went in and played with the drummer, you know, to record it. So when I went in, I knew kind of what track it was going to be, but you got to remember, I didn't really have the skeleton track with me as I call it a skeleton track. So I just wrote the lyric and I wrote the mid eight, you know, and all that because I knew the form uh, and then it fit. It really all fit. It was a map. Again, I call it magic. It's alchemy. You know, there's just no other way mm-hmm. to explain this. And you have to let that magic just pass through you. Otherwise, it's a block, in my opinion. You you just right. you block things out, you know, say what you want to say and go back later. And if you have to, you know, fix it. Now, do you remember if you did this, uh, you did a demo of this song or would you just uh, take the idea in the studio and, and, and build the track up in the studio? Yeah, we pretty much had a rough skeleton of the music. And I went in and did a rough vocal, of course. Here's an interesting story about this. When I I finished the real vocal uh, and um, I went into the lounge and Richie was going to do a solo. And um, he came in about an an hour later and shaking his head. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, I just can't get it. And I said, you can't get what? He goes, the solo. I'm just not happy with anything I'm doing. So I said, well, you know, cracked open a couple of Heineken's and said, look, sit, just relax, you know, just go in and play, you know, let you feel it. Just, he says, your vocal was so intimidating. And I said, what? And he goes, you got a really great vocal on this. He goes, and I got to come up with a, a wonderful, you know, amazing guitar part. So I said, okay. And this was really like, gave me chills. So I said, okay, here's what you do. You go in there, you light a few candles as you usually do. You just relax and you play what comes to mind, what, what you, you passes through you. And he played the most memorable solo. Uh, and I can still sing his solo today from Street of Dreams. Yeah. But before that happened, while we're sitting there with the beers, we're on a grid pattern now. You got to understand in Copenhagen, it, it, it's really wild weather sometimes. And there was an, a, um, a lightning rod on the roof and it was storming out. All of a sudden a storm came over us because it can happen in an instant and the lightning cracked the, the lightning rod and all the power blew out in the studio. So this is weird, right? <laughs> this is weird. So the power goes out and he looks at me and I look at him, you know, and we're into that paranormal stuff. So, you know, we're going, this is, this is a sign, you know, something's going on here, the energies. And um, they had a spare generator, I guess at, at sweet silence. So they hit the generator. Remember, we're using tapes, everything, you know, scooters. So yeah. So they hit the generator so that we could we go back to work because it, it was a while before the actual power in the building came up. And that's how he did his solo uh, with the generator. Um, <laughs> so it was there was a, a lot to it, you know, like a whole energy clash. It was amazing. Well, I got to tell you, you know, you mentioned, and we're going to get to that as we, as we go through the song, you mentioned the solo and, you know, something I always loved about Richie. I mean, he, he can fly on the fretboard like anybody. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the solo in this song is so tasteful for oh, this song. Memorable. I even knew back as a 16 year old when I got Odyssey by Ingve. And by the way, leaps and bounds above anything the guy ever did i'm not kind of trying to trash talk the man but you know the heaven tonight one of my favorite songs actually my favorite song on the record and i got chills when you talked about deja vu a minute ago is yeah. the song deja yeah. vu from that record deja vu. 
you'd get to these lead breaks in Heaven Tonight and it'd be like, you know, 64 bars of, of a solo and you're like, man, and I love what Richie did here. Yeah. You know, he he had that restraint. He played to the song and what was best for the song. And yeah. one last thing, Joe, before we jump into the actual track, I have to tell you that, again, there's been weird things in my life and there's something just, I, I always thought, you had one of the best voices in rock, one of the top five Thank singers you. that I ever heard. And uh, <laughs> I remember about 20 years ago, and I called my uncle the other day, and I said, do you remember telling me a story that you worked on a set with Joe Lynn Turner? He's like, yeah. And he's like, well, how do you remember that? And anyway, my uncle is uh, a production assistant in film and right. uh, TV. He's been doing, he used to be the associate producer for America's Most Wanted years ago. And oh, anyway, right. you were in New York City doing some Verizon commercial with James Earl Jones. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, because I know the, the jingle and everything else. Michael Bolton had, had got me into jingles for all kinds of products. And uh, it was amazing, you know, sing 15 minutes and there's a huge income residuals. So sure, I remember that with James Ultron. I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when uh, your publicist the other day said, hey, we saw his roster and he's like, we're like, can we get Joel and Turner? He's like, he's like, yeah, it was just <laughs> like, okay. You know, it's wow. it's really special for me. But the track is four minutes and 24 seconds. There's a 12-bar intro. The first eight bars, there are single hits of the kick drum and crash cymbal on the odd bars and double hits on the even bars is a Hi-hat shuffle holds it all together with stereo guitars, bass, and synthesizer. A big drum fill on bar eight, and the drums go to a straight rock beat for four more bars, and a cool little synth run takes us into verse one. like a guitar lick and a keyboard lick here that's also mimicking the chorus melody to come a little later in the song and i gotta tell you you want to talk about an all-star band here you got richie on guitar yeah. roger glover from deep purple on the bass who also produced this track right the tone and the parts on this song if you just listen to his bass part alone it's a song in and of itself you also have david rosenthal on the keys and chuck bergie yeah. on the drum drums both of these guys have been with billy joel for like the last 25 years and they played with everybody too that you were mentioning michael bolton all these other guys so uh what what a uh what a stellar lineup you had on on this recording super band and live oh my god what a tight band i mean powerful and just fire you know live We, we were on fire because everybody really enjoyed the songs So, yeah, those guys, just amazing players and great guys, by the way. Really, they are. And you want to talk about, uh, before we jump into verse one, you want to talk about influences. You know, going back and realize, I've listened to this, I've heard this song a ton in my life, but I went back the past couple days and I probably listened to it 50 times. And there's remnants and hints of Europe's The Final Countdown in the beginning of this song. That song came out probably a couple years, I think 86, a couple years after this. So, you know, I can hear the influences there. Of course, in the chorus, the lyric, Do You Remember, you know, Ingve had a song called Do You remember i'll never forget on a later record after this so you know i also hear a lot of the other album oriented rock bands that came after you guys that just were taking bites out of what you guys were doing here it's highly influential but i'm going to get into verse one now joe and have you set these uh, lyrics up for us okay i heard the sound of voices in the night spellbound mm-hmm. there was someone calling there you go i looked around no one was in sight pulled down and I kept on falling. <laughs> that's what, the, that's what's happening. A, it's a bit of, bit of poetry. That's exactly what happened. I woke up from the dream. I heard it. I, I felt it. Uh, I woke up from the dream and looked around. And, you know, it was like, what? You know, like, is there anything going along with this? And 
yeah, I was pulled pulled back down into that, you know, and I do keep on falling. It was night after night after night. And, and, and it was intermittent. Then it would stop for a while and then it would come back this dream. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was haunting really. And, and, but that night I got lucky because I just, I just ran to the, what would you say? The calling. And it was like a uh-huh. calling. And I just ran there, got on the table and started writing it down just as it is there. Did you hear any melodies in your head at this point? Or was it just a lyric? Yeah, there were some melodies. There's always some cadence that I hear, I hear, but then again, not really writing it to the track. I was just furiously writing it down. I figured, oh, I'll, I'll figure that out later, you know? And that was the other magical thing is that I just said, if I can possibly leave this, uh, the lyric, the words, the narrative, the way it is, and make a melody fit, you know? In other words, don't try to change it for, to change a melody, but change, make the melody fit what's already written. And it really right. did. And it bounced. It bounced fine, you know. Especially for the uh, for the uh, verse part. It, it all just flowed again magically. You just mentioned something too that that's so difficult. There'll be times when I'll write something and then I'll go to sing it later, and my bass player will say, "Why are you singing it different? Like, what do you mean?" He's yeah. like. The original melody line was was so good. And it's like, well, yeah, I changed this word and that word. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you ruined the vibe, yep. you know? And yep. and that's something that that's so important is is those, I call them those guttural instincts when you just, you know, something just comes out and there, there there's a lot of time magic there. Yeah, it's like, don't fix it if it ain't broken, you know? It, it's it, because <laughs> right. e- even that one word makes the bounce different, you know? It makes the cadence different. Yeah. And you will start to change melody because of it. And then you'll second guess yourself, right? You start to, well, maybe I could do something more or this isn't enough. Uh, you know, it's not good enough. And 99% of the time it's there. Sure. You know, if, if you feel it, you know, there are some fix ups. Of course, we learn a craft, we learn our skill, but you got to let the magic happen first. Hey, everybody, we got lots more with Joe Lynn Turner coming up after a few words from our sponsors. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. And now back to the show. When I'm listening to this song, and of course, you know, I know this wasn't done in the Pro Tools era. It was done to tape. But I hear, you know, I know when the overdubs come in, you can hear little things. Okay. Obviously, your your harmonies are overdubbed. But this sounds like a live band on the floor. Did you guys record this pretty much live bass, drums, guitar? Yeah. A lot of times we did that. I'd have to say uh, the skeleton crew mostly. Yes, they did because everybody would play the track. Uh, and they'd have me maybe in a booth so they could hear where the song is going. Because if you play without the lead line on the vocal, you know, you're just, you know, even even the drum. I mean, Chuck Burgundy, uh, he, for example, as a drummer, he was also a great musician. He played guitar, piano, he yeah. sang, you know, he wrote his own songs. So he would always say, well, how, well, how does the song go? Because I'm, otherwise I'm playing one, one, two, one, one, two, whatever, you know. They played according to the feeling of the lyric. Of course you do. You have to. And how was that being in, in a band with a five-headed monster? I mean, Richie's a band leader himself. You got Roger, you got you, and you got D- David and Chuck. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and, and what Chuck brings to the table, not just as a drummer, percussionist, keyboardist, you right. know, all of those uh, elements. So was it ever, did you ever feel there was too many cooks in the kitchen? No, you know, everybody was real respectful of each other. And uh, respectful of the the song, including Richie. Richie was very well versed as a musician, and he, he always played for the song. At least when I was with him, 
He always played for the song. He always wanted the song to be first, not the guitar lead. That was incidental. Yeah. Okay. But where is the composition? And and I really respect right. I respect him a lot, a lot for that because not not many uh, instrumentalists, quote unquote, would would do that. The, you know, it's all about the instruments and I, I'm the king and all this. And, you know, it's about the song. So he was well schooled with that. And nobody nobody really interjected badly. You know, we just added to each other. We knew when to lay out and when to lay in. You know, they was perfect with that kind of stuff. He, he wrote scores. I mean, his audition was I think he played Prokofiev on piano or something. And uh that's how Richie hired him because he could he could he could actually do the orchestrations. Well, I did the math here and David was like twenty-three when he played on this recording. Oh, he was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, he was a kid. Yeah, he, he was <laughs> he was a fresh faced kid and he took a lot of yeah. ha- he took a lot of hazing from us. <laughs> I was gonna say, I I get I bet you guys busted his chops. Oh, uh, we we did, but he, he came to the table, believe me. That's awesome. Well, in verse one here, the drums, bass, and a guitar panned off left is kind of strumming some chords. The guitar off right is playing an arpeggiated part. And the keys, if they're here at all, Joe, they're super subtle pads. I can't really hear keys in the verse until the pre-chorus. I've seen this place before, and you were standing by my side. Yeah. I've seen your face before tonight. Maybe I just see what I want it to be. I know it's a mystery. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. You know, that's that reincarnation. That's uh, I've known you before. I've seen you before. Um, I feel like I've been in another life with you. I mean, uh, Kate Bush, when she wrote Wuthering Heights, you know, Heathcliff, it's me, Kathy. I love Kate Bush, fantastic artist. And that was about reincarnation, too. Wuthering Heights, that song. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Check it out, man. Kate is amazing. And she's yelling, uh, Heathcliff, it's, it's me, Kathy. And she's trying to tell him, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that we we were together in another life. So this this feeling, I mean, always came over me. That, I mean, this is how this is where I live, spiritually speaking. I live in a place where I, I get chills when I when I'm in an area where I think I've been or I meet somebody and I go, I, I know you. So that lyric right there, you were standing by my side. We were together. And yet it's still a mystery because I'm thinking, is it what I want it to be or is it real? What is it? Because so it's a mystery, isn't it? Just leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> and then do you remember me? I'm smiling ear to ear, Joe, because, you know, I often, and I haven't had it happen yet. I've done, I've been at this for about two and a half years, this show. It's been a weekly show or up around, I don't know, 140 episodes or whatever. But I haven't had anybody say, these lyrics are just, I just wrote these, they don't mean anything. It was just a story, you know, just something funny I wrote. Because <laughs> you look at this and and there's such a great story behind it, you know, and which happens with, with most songs. And, and, and I, and I love where you're going with this. Well, in pre-chorus one, the keys are playing some higher notes. You can definitely hear them here. Uh, it's more predominant in the mix. The last two lines, the bass guitar is really driving this part as it locks in with the drums to set up for chorus one. I love that. Dum, 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 that Rogers doing there with the drums. It's great. The push. The push. Yeah. And we get into chorus one at a minute and two seconds. Remember me on the street of dreams running through my memory 
on the street of dreams. The street of dreams. It's, you know, I think, didn't Sinatra have a song? On that street of dreams or something. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. On the street of dreams Go silver and gold All you can hold is in the moon For no one is poor Long as love is sure On the street of dreams My, I listened to Sinatra all my life because my dad, but um, the phrase itself is not so fantastical, but what, what the meaning behind it is, because yes, that is your street of dreams, your dreams, you're on that, you're cruising down that street when you dream every night, right? Yeah. Uh, especially a reoccurring dream, you know? So yeah, do you remember me? Because I remember you. I mean, the people in the audience went crazy for this because that is such a cook line. And you don't really you don't really know it until it's out and you're in front of the audience and they're they're singing along with you because it's it's a familiarity that brings everybody together. You know, I would always say, I remember you and they go crazy, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That 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 connection with artists and fans, yes. you, you you know, it Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes them feel so special. And they'll, they'll never stop coming to see you once you make that make that connection. Well, you know, if you would have told me three days ago, hey. When did the harmonies start in Street of Dreams? I've been like, oh, probably the first or second verse. I mean, you harmonize all the time, especially you know the the, the way your voice blends with itself. It's it's amazing, but uh, we don't get harmonies this first chorus. There's no harmonies. We don't get them until pre-chorus two, and we'll get there in a moment. Mm-hmm. But I like how this song builds. Yes. This chorus is naked. Uh, the bass, drums, guitars, keys are all present in the chorus, and there's this fluttering, I'm calling a fluttering synthesizer yes, part yes. that is a huge, huge feature in this chorus along with the lead vocal. Those two things are, are really what this chorus is. Yes, it, it, that fluttering, I, that's a great word. It's a synth that's on a... And it just, yeah. just runs underneath it, you know, like a current. And uh, I thought it was a brilliant brilliant idea by Dave. And of course, everybody loved it because it sort of holds it all together. And it also gives it a more upbeat rhythm, but only subliminally in the, in the back, not in the front. The front is still a boom, chak kung kung, but there's that double time synth going, you know, fluttering. It, it also kept the music, uh, I'll use the, the term current for that time. You know, it wasn't used like a new wave band where this, it was the, the primary focus and it was, you know, three dBs louder than the rest of the instruments. Right. But it's def- definitely present here. After chorus one, we go into a two bar reintro right into verse two. <laughs> There you stood, a distant memory, so good, like we never parted. I love that line. Thanks. Said to myself, I knew you'd set me free, and here we are, right back where we started. There we go. There's the reincarnation. There, there's the second life. You know, there is, there is the meeting of souls, the soulmate. That's what this yeah. is about. You know, there's, you're meeting your soulmate again, and, and you are right, right back again, and. Uh, that's the feeling that comes, at least it came over me. I think I'm very fortunate to have that feeling because a lot of people miss that feeling in life. And I think it's, they're losing out on the magic. I have no formula how to get it, but you just have to open yourself up to it. And, and that's what I try to do. That's what I, what I try to do with everyone I meet, wherever I go. I just let it, let the doors open and, and see where it takes us. So again, these lyrics were, I can't say easy, but they flowed. I just told the story. Mm-hmm. Here's the story. Here, here we are again. I know you can you can appreciate this. There's a lot of singers that have great voices, uh, you know, from a tonality perspective. Right. Yours included, but 
their melodies are kind of, you know, on, on, on the one and three and the two and four, they kind of stay the same. It's cookie cutter. It never really goes places. I love this second verse because the first two lines are very reminiscent of verse one. And then you go up on the last two lines and the melodies change there on those two lines. I love that. Well, you know, the whole thing is about building the song and capturing the audience's attention. And when you just, just pick it up a little bit, especially the second go around on the verse with those lyrics, and you sort of uh, demand the attention, you know, there you stood, a distant memory. You know, it's not, you introduce the first verse already. You, you keep mm-hmm. their attention, you, you hold their attention, and you go, you take this thing someplace further. I didn't mess with the chorus too much, because these little changes, in, in in melody and in pitch and in tone really um it's very subtle but at the same time very effective when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, the listener and what how they feel it and how they recognize things yeah and i also sometimes wonder you know i i mean i know you and, and you were in the studio roger your bass player was the was the producer here yeah. and i just I know enough about you and I, I, that you get in there and you, you're, you're just very flexible. You try different things, but you almost wonder some of these other singers I was mentioning that they have great voices. You know, they could probably do stuff. Maybe they didn't have the right producer because, you know, they can't come up with it themselves, you know. But when I listen to some of those bands like this guy's got a great voice and the songs are great and I'll listen to be like, yeah, but it's just so stock. It's so cookie cutter. It just it, it never really lifts like what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, not for nothing, but and not to pat myself on the back, but I pretty much produce my own vocals because I know what I, I go in, I do a take, I go in, I listen because that's the best way to get it. I'm sure, you do this too. You see, up, up, I did that. I know where I got to go with that, and I know what I got to do with this. Oh, I don't like the way I said that word. And you fix, you sort of just keep polishing yourself. You go back in, you do it again. You know, I usually do three takes, and if I don't have it in three takes. I don't have it that day. <laughs> yeah. So, and sometimes you get it right in one take because you've got all the feeling, the tone and the, and the notes and the points all there. So you can get lucky that way. But at the same time, Roger just would go, let it, let it go. You're, you're the singer. You know how to sing this. You wrote it and you sing yeah. it, you know, and he, it was good that way. But if there was a point that he could make a constructive criticism and he had, I'd go with it because, you know, he, he because I not only respect his ear and, and his abilities, but uh, sometimes you do need, most times you need a critical ear outside of yourself to say, yeah, this is it, you know. I agree 100% with that. Well, pre-chorus too, we get a lyric change here, Joe. Yeah. Something's come over me, and I don't know what to feel. Maybe this fantasy is real. Now I know I see what I want it to be, but it's still a mystery. On those last two lines I just said, that's where we get the first harmonies in this song. And they're, they're, they're not big harmonies. They're subtle, but they're there. They're great. Just parallel harmonies there, yeah, because it lifts it. it again, it lifts it. And the lyric itself is really telling the story. I'm going inside myself and just saying, like, is this, am I making this up? You know, I'm doubting myself. I'm doubting the magic. I'm questioning what happened, the dream. You know, maybe I'm just, maybe this is just my fantasy, you know, but it's still a mystery because I'll never know. And then when you bring in the the mystery line again, it becomes a hook. It becomes the hook Mm -hmm. within the hook, you know. Because people always pick that out. It's like you return to a fact within the song. Is this, a, it's a mystery, isn't it? To us all. It really is. I like pre chorus one where you say, I know it's a mystery. Pre chorus two, but it's still a mystery. Still. You're acknowledging that it's still a mystery. Still yeah. can't, still couldn't figure it out. In pre chorus two, the organ sound here, the organ pads seem louder in pre chorus two. And there's some subtle keys in here that almost sound like 
bells that are buried in the mix uh-huh. that are happening that you don't get in pre-chorus one. And I just, I love those little little flourishes that, that happen there. Chorus two is great. It's pretty much the same lyric, but this is in three. It's not in two, right. which is great. You don't finish on a four here. You punch them. <laughs> Surprise. I forget where I read it, but, you know, and I, I didn't do it purposely for that, but it, that's the way we, we think it's a surprise. It's like, it doesn't stop with this, with the two lines, you add that one extra line and it just lifts the whole thing up to another dimension. By the way, it's also well-produced, you know, it's simple, mm-hmm. simple, but well-produced and those subtleties, those little bells, I'm not even sure who was making that, whether it was the guitar or the keys or what. That's a great point, and I I had thought of that when I was li- when I was listening to it last night in headphones. I'm sitting there going, maybe that's like a delayed guitar just doing single notes or something that's kind of happening. There it might not even be a keyboard. It could be. I'm. It's still a mystery. So, <laughs> and I was there. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Well, I'm going to read the whole lyric here because we get those last two lines. Do you remember me on the street of dreams running through my memory on the street of dreams? You're in every face I see on the street of dreams. And Joe, we get harmonies on line one, on line three and on line five here and on line five you're in every face i see that there's a killer harmony there you go up yeah to a note only some dogs can hear it's great <laughs> yeah uh, younger days but uh absolutely <laughs> you're you're in every face i see is like it's universal it, it, you know you're looking for this this person, you're always looking, you are always looking for their soulmate. Always. I think everyone is really, whether they know it or not, you're looking for that girl of your dreams <laughs> and, uh, or, or whatever, boy of your dreams. And so it becomes universal. It becomes every, every woman or every man. So you're in every face I see, because I'm still looking for you. Although it was that one face that I finally saw in the crowd. When you had this dream, were you married at the time? Were you with another woman and, and you, you had this dream? Or, or You're right. That's you right. were. Yes, I was. <laughs> okay. So I had to ask because I'm, I'm thinking. I'm third. <laughs> three. This is three. <laughs> Three's a charm. Three's yeah. a charm, right? Yeah. Three. Exactly <laughs> what we say. Three is the charm. Yes, I was. And yet at the same time, I had this dream. I had this dream. So what? Do you, yeah. I can't stop it. You know, and it wasn't, I wasn't trying to uh, disrespect my wife or anybody at the time. Look, when you have dreams, you have dreams, man. You know, this is what happens to people and people change and people do things they have to do in life. And believe me, I took care of everybody, you know, for uh, no problem there. I, I met my obligations, let's say, lawfully and morally good for you well after chorus two there's a four bar reintro on the fourth bar the lead guitar does a killer run to take us into the guitar solo for eight bars which uh, is played over the verse progression here which perfectly sets up pre-chorus three after this because you're kind of feel like you're in the verse again uh there's there's no vocals but it's that tasteful solo that richie plays there And did you notice that I believe Chuck played a drum fill, did a little right, or something, and Richie played with it. Right. And and that is one of those things you always think about the bass 
bass guitar locking in with the drums, but a lot of times the guitars do. In this instance, it does, yeah, and it, it yeah. works magically. It was great. It was yeah, it's awesome. Well, pre-chorus three, it's the same lyric as pre-chorus two, but this time there is a lead guitar, Joe, that's kind of weeping in the background. It almost sounds like a pedal steel. Yeah. It's haunting and really adds a cool layer to pre-chorus three. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Richie used to play country music, man. <laughs> yeah he did it's got a twang to it this part it's so good You know, Joe, I grew up in Southwest Florida. Right. All I had was my my clock radio next to my bed as a kid, listening to Wink FM ninety seven out of Fort Myers. And I would hear this song, and I, uh, how many times I heard, I can't even count. I, I never noticed that till I got in the headphones and cranked it up the past couple of days. And that part just is so good. Yeah, and it's and it's new again to you. You know, it, it's fresh. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He was a he was a brilliant player. He used to play country and all that. So his ideas. Unbelievable. Well, you get harmonies again on the last two lines in pre-chorus three. Now I know I see what I want it to be, but it's still a mystery. And then chorus three happens. And here, okay, we get some really cool keyboard and guitar lick interplay that happens here that wasn't present in chorus one and chorus two. They're playing off each other in this whole half or this whole end of the song, I should say here. Uh, and, and this ending is like a minute, but it's interesting because, you know, there, there's so much going on. You get harmonies now on Do You Remember Me, On the Street of Dreams, Running Through My Memory, On the Street of, and then you say dreams and hold it out really long, and it just opens up there, and that's when you're hearing that guitar and keyboard interplay happen there. The next line, On the Street of Dreams, we get a harmony. I know you have always been, that's just you, On the Street of Dreams, with a harmony. Will we ever meet again, my friend? And right around here, the song begins a really slow fade that right. starts to happen. On the Street of Dreams, there's a harmony. Do you know just what it means to be? You're alone there. On the Street of Dreams, we get a harmony. Never know just what you'll see. And you say, do ya? It's like a spoken, shouted, panned off uh, slight left. Uh, is, that, is, yeah. that your, is that your voice saying, do ya? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's all ad libs. I, I never wrote that down. I never wrote any of that down. Same with Stone Cold. I never wrote any of that down. I just, we what we were doing was starting to rock it out at the end. If you notice, the, the synths gets a little louder. Yeah. Everything's, Roger starts pumping on a bass, you know, so we bring the rock element into it because live, that whole ending was just rocking, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's mid tempo, but we start taking off like an airplane there. All that's ad libs. And that's so cool that, that you left that in there because it adds that, I call it the realness factor. It's so right, good. Right. The next line is on the street of dreams with a harmony. Then the, the next line is you can be by yourself, but then who you want to be. There's yeah. a harmony on that part. You say, oh no. 
<laughs> on the street of dreams we get a harmony i can hear you calling and go. it's like call you hold that out and on the me you fall off the vocal huh kind of trails off right, and i right. love that little flourish and then the last thing you hear is with a harmony on the street of dreams and the song is faded out yeah when you guys heard this track back and there's a lot of bangers on this record been out of shape but what was the consensus? Did you think you had a hit here? Where, where, where did it stand amongst the other tracks? We knew we had something because we all got the chill bumps. You know, we all, we all, said, we all looked at each other. It was quiet after we heard the whole playback and everything and just said, I think we, we got something here that's just magical. And um, it, there wasn't, in other words, there wasn't a lot of chatter because everybody was just like, wow, wow, you know, it's deep. And, and we knew that we had a we had a real record, you know, in those days, making the record. And we knew it was going to be great for radio and we knew it was going to be great for live. And we knew the sentiment was there. So it was it had the total package. And when you know you have that, you know, especially, you know, record company, corporate uh, the suits, when they hear that stuff, they just go nuts because you kept your integrity, you, who you are. Rainbow was a hard rock melodic band but at the same time you can put something like this out and, and cross uh, in, into that market to the radio market which yeah. is which is really what the purpose of me being in rainbow was i came into to rainbow to make them more quote unquote commercial uh, and commercial yeah. is not a bad word it is not a bad no. word it, it, it means no, that not you're at all more popular and he want richie wanted to break radio in the states and it was big at that time at mtv and everything else and we did that that was our mission yeah and we sold more records and we played bigger concerts and you know it, that was the business we did too so you know it is a business after all and we we accomplished that with the art and the business so yeah it was special you mentioned Stone Cold uh, came from the album uh, Straight Between the Eyes, which came out a year before right. uh, Street of Dreams in 1982. And it was a toss up between that one and, and Street of Dreams. I'm so glad we went with Street of Dreams because this me story too. is just, it's too good. <laughs> me, me too, because when, when I'm asked if there is ever a really special song in my whole career, that's the one I mentioned, because it means so much person. It's personal to me. You know, it's very, very personal. I'm still living it today. And, and yeah, that that's fantastical to me, which makes me believe in the universal laws of manifestation and, you know, abundance and things like this, because I live in that world because this world has <laughs> got a lot to be desired. <laughs> well, I got I got to tell you that it's been very this song's very special to me, too. And did you ever think did you ever think that, uh, you know, almost 40 years after writing this track that you'd be talking about it still? Honestly, no, I never thought that way. And I ne never really had somebody like this break it down so so perfectly as you have today. I'm very impressed with that because uh, oh, you, Joe, you, thank you, you, you really thank you. your your summation of it all and your what you hear and what you didn't hear then and now and how it refreshes the song. It, I'm going to go listen to it. <laughs> because, you know, like, yeah he's right that is so awesome well i i want to i want to thank you bottom of my heart for sitting in with us and before we leave i like is there anything you like to leave the listeners with i understand you got a brand new studio album out it yeah. just came out october 28th called belly of the beast yeah. and uh the first single was called black sun talk to me a little bit about this yeah well actually we, we did release belly of the beast as, as the first track a lyric video then we released black sun as a static video and now on October 28th, the full album comes out with a video, with a full video, me in it and, and so on, and a storyline, which is like a mini movie called Tortured Soul. This album is uh, definitely on the more melodic metal side for me. Uh, I'd like to mention Peter Tatgren from Pain and Hypocrisy, who was my writing partner and producer. He's just brilliant. And we had a vision to make a modern metal uh, recording and, and with message and this this record is full of messaging and it's full of hard rock and music and I think some people most people might be surprised because uh, it's not my usual not my usual fluff you know I was insanely surprised when I listened to Black how heavy it is yeah <laughs> the, there you go the guitars sound massive it sounds really yeah. big
Your voice is uh, like a fine wine, my friend. You sound fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure just doing this. I, what a great podcast you have here, really. Honestly, this is terrific. Thank you so much, man. It, the, the pleasure's all mine. Thank, thank you, Joe. And really continued success. You know, I noticed that you're LTJ and I'm JLT. Less than, yeah, less there you than go. Jake and so I went there and I went, whoa, synchronicity, dude. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Joe Lynn Turner. We got to take a very short break for a few words from our sponsors, but we'll be right back with the band you might not know and the rap. We got lots more Chris to makes a podcast coming right up. So stick around. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the tone mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Harrison Rimmer, a singer-songwriter from the United Kingdom, drawing inspiration and influence ranging from Elvis and Marvin Gaye to Nirvana and Bruce Springsteen. And what a cool sound this is. I am beyond impressed. You can find it all at linktree slash Harrison Rimmer. Here's a snippet of his song, The South. Take me to the top again, like I was ever there, cause I was born Chris and Chris. Man, you actually called me on the phone as soon as you finished this one and we were talking about how good this episode was. And I told you, I love when you do these episodes with these rock guys that are right in your wheelhouse because you're so knowledgeable about them. And I think that without fail, every time, Joe being proof of this, that the guys are psyched about how much you know and how much you go into depth about their music. <laughs> I call it my useless knowledge that that uh, ended up coming back and, and helping me later in life. Never thought it would. Uh, I I was a, a young suburban kid from Southwest Florida. Chris, I was either out playing stickball, baseball in the, in the sandlot across from my house with my friends. And if I wasn't doing that, I was in staring at the back of album covers. There wasn't much to do growing up. And I immersed myself in in things like knowing who the three singers of Rainbow were. <laughs> <laughs> and and you knew you knew beforehand when this came across as a uh, opportunity for us to have Joe as a guest, you were like, Hell yeah. And then you rattled off like <laughs> 10 different facts to me about Joe Lynn Turner. I'm like, okay, we're in. <laughs> uh, dude, the story behind the writing of this song, I think that was a Krista Makes a Podcast first. Came to him in a dream that later became true. That is definitely a first. Uh huh. Yeah. I, you know, I had definitely had chills different moments of, of this uh, this episode. There was things that he said that that I've had happen. I've had weird things happen in my life where I've, you know, he, the, I guess the word is deja vu that he that he said. Um, I, I've had deja vu with Joe Lynn Turner. I, I've had this happen with, I, I think I had mentioned this, I don't know, maybe in an after party or maybe here on the main feed where, you know, I used to stare as a young kid at the Capitol Records logo and just get immersed in it on the back of Iron Maiden and Beach Boys records and Beatles records. And just why was I staring at this, you know, and we ended up getting signed to Capitol. I wasn't staring at the Atlantic Records logo like that or, you know, so when he was talking about this stuff, the, the older I get, 
it seems that I, I look back on my life and, and all these little uh, dots seem to, to be connected. It's really cool. Yeah, he talked about this particular dream being a reoccurring one, which, Chris, I had one of my reoccurring dreams last night. Not even kidding. The reoccurring dream, not as romantic as Joe's <laughs> by, any, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And, Chris, maybe you've had this one as a musician, but I had the dream where I'm on stage playing a show and I look at the set list and I don't know how to play these songs. Oh. Have you ever had that one? <laughs> um, yeah, I've had where I can hear the bands on stage and I'm in slow motion and I can't run out of the dressing room and I'm screaming, don't start without me. I can hear the intro <laughs> tape going. I can't plug my guitar in. I look right. down, I have no strings on my guitar. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> In my dream, I'm like trying to look at the guys playing guitar and like <laughs> hurry up and go to the note that they're playing and stuff. Yeah, that is one of my reoccurring dreams. That and be- that and showing up to a, a class that I haven't been to all semester, but it's like the last day or something. That thing too, I've had. Uh, I absolutely love that Joe brought up Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights. I love that song. That was Kate Bush's first big single. She was like 18 years old. And I love how he related that to this, that that song was about a dream that she had based on the Wuthering Heights novel. I thought that was really cool. And it showed Joe's range of taste as well, you know? Yeah, you know, and I, I keep waiting for somebody to just say, and I, I think we've maybe, I, I said we had didn't have any. We might have had one or two. Like, yeah, these are just words. I don't really know. But, you know, I, I look at something like this and you wonder, did someone just put pen to paper with words that rhymed and sounded good together? But typically, usually, there's always a story. And, and, I, and I love that I picked this one because I told Joe there's another song called Stone Cold that was a hit for Rainbow on the record before this, but uh, even he agreed this was this was the song with the best story. I mean, it's also really cool, and this is a credit to Joe as a writer and performer, because I've said to you in past episodes and episodes of The After Party that I can always tell when someone's really forcing a lyric into a melody, like the lyrics are written before the melody. I wouldn't have been able to tell that with this song. This feels like, even though he, it sounds like from what I understood, and maybe, you know, if I misunderstood this, correct me, but that he's basically sitting up from this dream and scribbling down these lyrics. It doesn't sound like he's singing this melody at the time. It sounds mm-hmm. like he's getting the words down. He's getting the story down. So the fact that in the actual song, it doesn't sound like a forced lyric uh, is impressive to me. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know, he wrote wrote the lyric. He said, you know, when he presented it to Richie, Richie Blackmore, guitarist, that, you know, Richie had, had some musical ideas and, and there maybe was a melody here or there that Joe kind of had in his head. But pretty much, yeah, he wanted to get pen to paper as fast as he could so he didn't forget what he had just what he had just had a dream about. It's, it's, it's crazy. And Chris, I got to give a tip of my cap to you on this episode. I loved it. I mean, <laughs> you knew so much about this song. We just did an after party episode, actually, where you said this was your favorite Rainbow song. I mean, that was just in the past month yeah. that you were talking about. <laughs> like, we were naming like the top metal bands as ranked by some random website and rainbow is on there and then you were saying your favorite song by each band and you you said this was your favorite rainbow song and here we are a few weeks later and Joe Lynn Turner's on here talking about this song I know that he had a good time I mean even a- <laughs> even after we had finished and it was that moment where he hadn't shut down his computer or phone or whatever he was do- doing it on at first and he was talking to I think his wife and he was like man, this guy is in this band called Less Than Jake. He just did an awesome job of breaking down this song. Like We we, I, we heard him saying that. I'm like, man, that's awesome that he had such a good time. I could tell that he was having a good time, and I knew that you were too, and I think that's what makes for the best episodes. Tell you something, Chris. You want to know about another good time? What is the good time? The good time is our supporting cast, our VIP program over at ChrisToMakes.com, where you get bonus episodes of the after party. So if you like Chris and I rapping back and forth with each other you too can be a part of this go over to kristamakes.com and sign up we don't li- literally rap probably wrapping up the episodes with a wrap maybe <laughs> we can do an after party where we try to rap sometime but uh yeah the after party is our bonus episode each week where we dive into sometimes it's an extension of the actual episode we'll focus on something that was brought up in the episode sometimes it's just a completely different thing we got a lot of fun ones we have a huge back catalog which you instantly get access to if you sign up at kristamakes.com and every monday right when you finish the actual krista makes a podcast episode you can listen to the after party it's like 
Those weeks where you're like, man, I wish Krista Makes a Podcast would never end. Well, now it doesn't have to. For the cost of a cup of coffee every month, you can get bonus episodes and support the podcast that you love. That's right. And speaking of support, please join the Chris Demakes a Podcast Facebook group. We'd love to have you. It is a lot of fun. And I want to thank this week's guest, Joe Lynn Turner, for sitting with us. And we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. If you like Chris Demakes a Podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one-hit wonder, and along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, AHA. We're over 100 episodes in now, and to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there.